Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. glad you're already standing. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. It says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, he writes, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him there were seraphs or angels, each with six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they were flying, and with two they were covering their feet. And they were calling to one another saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe unto me, Isaiah cried. I'm ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to him with a live coal which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched Isaiah's lips and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your sin is taken away. Your guilt is atoned for. Then Isaiah said, I heard the voice of one calling and saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. Send me. And God said, Go. Lean over to your neighbor and say, Go. Lean over to your other neighbor and say, you got to go. Give your neighbor a high five and a hug and take your seat. (laughs) This is awesome. Tonight, this will not be a long message, but I believe it will be transformative. And I want you to know that um, this message, again, is brought to you by the Bible. That is our continuing theme. Uh, in this church forever. Um, But as you walk out tonight, I wanted to do a commercial because I keep forgetting to talk about it. You can pick up our our book, Undefeated. You can grab a copy of this. I keep forgetting. If you want it signed, I will sign your book. But this is our best-selling book. It's been amazing what's happened. Uh, Charisma Publishing approached me about writing a book for them. And they said, listen, this book you do, we want you to write on whatever you want. I said, thank you. Yes, sweet. They said, because before, they're like, okay, only on the Holy Spirit or only on the gifts of the Spirit. And and they're like, whatever I want. They're like, yeah, go, sweet, here we go. I want to write about victory. And they're like, well, what does that mean to you, preacher? I go, listen, victory is one of those things that once you walk in it, it's an experience and not just a a concept. Uh, I said, it's when you're living in such a way that other people want the Jesus you have. And they want it so bad, they start stopping you in, in, in public. Hey, 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 what is it about you that's different? Why are you unique? What is going on in your life? And you say, look at Jesus. Look what the Lord has done. He has done marvelous things in me. I said, I want to write about that kind of a life, a victorious life. And they said, go for it. I said, yes. So I wrote it. And it, it juxtaposes the life of David and the, the war between David and Goliath, the Philistines. And I break it down. And, oh, man, it's, it's kind of like I'm preaching in a book. So there's funny in there. And there's tears in there. And I, I promise you, it's one of those books I say is about a four-cup-of-coffee book. You can get through it in about four good cups of coffee. 
and I have a money-back guarantee. If you don't like this book, return it. I'll keep your money back and sell it to somebody else. Shoot. So make sure you pick up a book. Now, here's something I want to share about marriage. I've been married 21 years. I've learned a valuable lesson about, about marriage and spiritual growth. I used to grow separate from my wife. Separately. We would read the Bible separately. We'd pray separately. Once in a while, once a week, we'd pray together. And I learned that it really helped my marriage if we grew together. So I would buy two of everything. I'm not saying this for me only. I'm saying this for marriage only. Whatever you study, study it together. It's amazing how you'll have conversations that go beyond your children, that go beyond bills and go beyond simple mundane things. If you read a book together, you'll have spiritual things to talk about and grow about and share about. Grow together. Get two books. Don't just get one. Get two. I'll hook you up. We'll give you a deal. Nick, hook them up. Give them a deal. But we want to make sure that you grow together, okay? We also have the series from this morning. Um, there's a companion message in there that I did not. I'm not preaching this week. The, the series is called Empire Strikes Back. Um, we worked hard on this. So when I open it, everybody go, ooh, ah, ready, go. Do it backwards. I love all of you. Holy Spirit fingers to everybody. Okay. Thank you. You can get the series. Check it out. Each message, this is one message, this is one message, is on DVD and CD. So no matter what you get, you have an opportunity in your car or at your house to share the gospel with somebody else. In fact, at the end of each message, I give an opportunity for people to come to faith in Christ. So if you have loved ones like I do that don't know Jesus, put the CD or the DVD in, put them in your car, and lock the doors. Drive all over town. They're going to get saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. If they get hungry, go to a drive-thru. They got thirsty, go to, go to Wawa. Don't let them out the car. Okay? And then when, when you're done, you can take an offering in the front seat for gas. It'll be awesome. We also have a t-shirt, and, and I know this is a, a commercial, but man, I love what I call t-shirts with messages. And this shirt is biblical. How many of you know you're God's favorite? Raise your hand. That God loved you first, right? So I made a shirt. It's all about Jesus. It says, I'm God's favorite. And then I love the back. It says, so are you. Man, I can't tell you how many times people stop me saying, first of all, how'd you get that shirt? I go, I designed it. And then they go, well, well, how do I get one? I go, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I was in a grocery store at Publix Grocery Store. You don't have a Publix up here, but down in Florida. And a 78-year-old grandmother asked me about my shirt, and I led her to faith in Christ in the grocery store checkout lane. What can you do? So, man, get those. The money from the shirts actually all goes to our students. That's for the first lady. They all, it all goes to our students and in our Accelerate program. So it's a great thing to, to wear and say this also helps orphans. It's awesome. If you're ready for the word, say let's go. So I just read you the story of Isaiah, the prophet, having a supernatural encounter with God. Isaiah saw God. See, skip everything else. Isaiah saw God. That's why I named my second son Isaiah. Because I want someone in my family to physically see God and relay him to generations. My first son's name Israel. 
Because I wanted someone who would war for the kingdom of God and bring the hope of Jesus everywhere he goes. And man, I, I read the story the first time and, and I stopped right there. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I'm like, hold up. Nobody saw God. I mean, Moses didn't even really see God. Bible says God put his hand over him, walked by, and he saw the glory after God. And that made his face glow and shine. Just the glory after God. Isaiah saw, John the Revelator too, saw God. Whew, so cool. Have you ever seen God? I've seen God at work. At work in my life. Let me explain. I was 16, I was eight years old when I gave my life to Christ. April 1980, I gave my life to Christ. But I was 16 years old when I had an encounter where God was at work and it changed my life forever. In fact, it's the reason that I'm a Pentecostal preacher right now. Because I had an encounter, a supernatural encounter that changed me forever. 16 years old, there's only two things on my mind. Food and gals. Okay? Now, don't look at me like that. I didn't really act on it. You know why? I had a Pentecostal mama, a Pentecostal daddy. They could read my mail. I was scared of both of them. They told me they would kill me. They had so much faith. She said, I will raise you from the dead and kill you again just to watch you die. My parents didn't play that. We had rules up in my house. And man, I remember I would go on trips and, and with my youth group, and our youth group was so fun. And every year we went to a place, you might have heard of it, called Cedar Point. Every year on Labor Day weekend, we would go to a, a roller coaster amusement park. This is spiritual, you'll see in a minute. We'd go to a roller coaster amusement park, and we'd ride all the roller coasters, and then we would stay the night at a church in a gym, sleep on the floor, and then drive back the next day. It was really fun. And this particular year, we were about two-thirds of the way to the park on the church bus when all of a sudden, poo, 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 bus broke down. Has anybody here ever been on the church bus when the bus broke down? If you haven't, you're blessed. Everybody here knows that church buses are troubled. Ain't no bus <laughs> exempt from trouble. It could be a brand new bus and it's going to have trouble. You know why? It's a church bus. There's just something about church buses. So we're all in this bus, and now we are veteran youth group people, and our youth pastor was brand new. His name was Jeff. He'd only been with us for about nine, ten months, and, and he didn't know about church buses yet. I don't know how he didn't get an education, but he didn't know. So we are on the side of the highway. There's three or four buses all together, and this one broke down, which I was on, and, and he gets off the bus, and he turns around, and he lays his hand on the engine block part of the, of the bus, the, the top, and he starts praying. All of us veteran youth group kids said, no, stop. But before we could stop him, he prays for the bus. All of a sudden, we hear a tink, tink, pow. The engine block cracked in half. Overheated, cracked in half. Oil and water start pouring out the bus engine. We look out the window and we go, we told you to stop. He's like, what you talking about? We said, you can't pray for church buses. They're demon possessed. <laughs> These kind only come out with prayer and fasting, man. Fasting. It's actually what we said. 
so fun. We're church rats, man. I grew up in church. I don't know what it's like to go out there and I've never been drunk. I've never been high. I never had sex to my wedding day. And that's hard because I look good. Hey, I, I don't know. I don't know. To the pure, all things are pure. So all my jokes were church jokes. I didn't know anything else. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it's true, man. So I remember we're waiting for help. And, and this tow truck comes and picks up the bus and carries it to the bus depot. And, and, the, and the mechanic comes out of the bus depot with his hand on his overalls. And, and he walks out with grease all over. And he goes, y'all bus broke. Now, I'm trilingual. I speak English. Okay. I speak in tongues. And I speak country. All right? So here's the deal. When country people add extra syllables where they don't belong, it adds extra emphasis. If that mechanic would have come out the back and said, y'all bus broke, that means it's going to take about an hour. He's going to get the parts, and he's going to be fixed, and you'll be on your road in no time. If he comes out and says, y'all bus broke, that means it's going to take about five, six hours to get parts from another county and bring them up, right? Bring them over, and they'll fix the bus in six, seven hours. He says, y'all bus broke. That means you ain't never, ever, 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 never, ever, 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 ever going to get that bus to run again, dig a hole, bury the bus. We never even saw that bus again. And so my, my youth pastor's like, what are we going to do? He goes, find another bus. It was Labor Day weekend. There were no buses anywhere for two more days. So my youth pastor doesn't listen to us once again. We go, let's shuttle to the park. Let's go to the park. Let's party at the park. Let's go. He goes, no, let's go straight to the church we're sleeping at tonight, and we'll just figure it out in the morning. We can go to the park tomorrow. I'm like, Really? Do you not know what happens at churches? No good thing happens at churches when you sleep there. So we go to the church, and we're in the church parking lot, and I'm, this is spiritual, you'll see. I'm mad as a hornet. I'm like, man, we could have been at the park right now eating cotton candy. I could have thrown balls at Targets, won a big stuffed animal, give it to a girl. I kiss her, she tries to kiss me on the cheek. I try to turn it into a kiss on the, she's smacked in the face. But no, we're at this goofy church. This is spiritual. Walking around, this stinks. Meanwhile, the barometric pressure begins to drop while I'm outside with some homeboys throwing the football around. Next thing I know, clouds roll in. Big clouds, dark clouds, angry clouds. Next thing I know, <sighs> rain. Not just any rain, mind you. The greatest rainstorm in Sandusky, Ohio history. Something like three or four inches of rain fell in just a few hours. It was crazy. In fact, there were tornadoes. There were all kinds of water spouts over the lakes and the rivers. It was, uh, frogs were falling from the sky. I'm not even joking. A small twister picked up a pond and dumped the contents on the church. A frog was flying by on a lily pad talking about, run, black man, run. And you know I ran. You know why? Brown sugar melts in the rain. Hey. <laughs> so does white sugar. Don't worry. So this is, this is what happened. Ran inside the church. We're inside the church. So I'm like, this is the worst trip ever. This is spiritual. This is the worst trip ever. I'm like, what kind of mess is this? So I'm inside the church, and somebody pulls out some cards. And they go, you want to play cards? I go, no. They're like, why don't you want to play cards? I go, because you'll go straight to hell. They're like, what do you mean? See, y'all don't understand. I was raised in a holiness house. Okay? That means lots of rules. 
okay? Not always good rules, just rules, all right? For instance, we could not go to the movies back then. The movie house, they would say, you better hope Jesus don't come back while you in that movie house. For some reason, he, he, he'll just leave you there. I don't know. They said, if <laughs> you'll go in that movie house to go watch your little G-rated Bambi, and while you're in your G-rated movie watching Bambi, the demons from Friday the 13th will sneak into that theater, shoot Bambi's mama, and drag your soul to hell. That's the way I was raised. How many of y'all were raised like that? That was, that was some days, man. Remember roller skating parties? We'd be like, ooh, roller skating parties. And we used to go to Christian skate night. That's the only kind of skate night we could go to. And we'd be out there listening to some Leon Patillo. <laughs> Earth people. You know what I'm saying? We're riding, having a good time. And my mama used to say, don't you skate too late. You know at 10 o'clock, it starts the regular skate night. And you're going to be on that, that rink skating around. And all of a sudden, some cool in the gang comes out. Some celebrate good times. Come on. It ain't going to be a good time. All of a sudden, the floor is going to tip like this. Your skates are going to catch fire. And you're going to skate into hell. <laughs> this is the way I was raised. My parents used to be like, oh, you... Dice? We couldn't even play with dice. We couldn't even play with board games that had dice in them because dice were evil. My mom be like, oh, Yahtzee? Oh, you think you're going to play some Yahtzee? There's like 200 dice in that game. You're going to roll them dice. They're going to come up 666, 666, 666. They're going to catch fire, grab your fingertips, and drag your soul into hell. Everything was sending me to hell when I was a kid. It was crazy. Playing cards. Ace of spades will grab your fingertips, flip you over right into the gates of hell. <laughs> My mama used to say, you see that label on your mattress or your pillow? It says, do not remove. Remove that mattress and see what happens. You'll fall asleep in hell. Disobedience. <laughs> she didn't really say that one, but that was funny. So just to say... That the only card game I could play, besides Uno, was Old Maid and Phase 10. And so we're sitting there playing Uno, and I'm winning, y'all. We got like 15 people, and I'm kicking all of their tails. I'm rocking this thing. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's a big loud sound. Boom! That was a little louder than that. Boom! All the brothers like, oh, snap, son, they're shooting. They're shooting. Some white brother's like, hey, dude, what's going on? Get down here, white boy. They're shooting at us. <laughs> they were not shooting, okay? We were out in the country. Wasn't nothing out there but corn. It was like some country kid riding a cow, throwing corn cobs at people. I'm a cob, you boy. On, Bessie. Mm. No. We were out in the middle of nowhere. You see, lightning had hit a power transformer, knocked out the power to the church. Huge pop was the transformer going out. It was pitch black. Nobody could see nothing. <laughs> they could smell me, though. We felt our way down the hallway. We got to the sanctuary. It looked just like this. Stained glass windows. The only room with windows in it. What kind of church is a cave and only the sanctuary has windows? We get in the sanctuary. By now, my rebellion is up to here. I'm so angry. What kind of messed up trip? You'll see, this is spiritual. 
while we're in the sanctuary bumming, so mad, one of my youth group members named Tomas goes up to the keyboard and starts to sing. I'm like, I wish that Tomas would stop. So spiritual Tomas. Hated Tomas. So handsome. He was like a Holy Ghost Antonio Bendez. I'm going to punch him in his little puss in boots face. Up there playing the piano. I am the God that he left. Shut up, Tomas! While I'm complaining, I see some girls go up there and sing with Tomas. Why? Because he's hot. And I'm like, look at them girls over there. Hold up. Look at them girls over there with Tomas. And I walked over there, and I started saying, I am the God that healeth thee. I am the Lord, your healer. And then Tomas messed up. He played my jam. Everybody's got a jam. It's that song that encapsulates where you are spiritually in a moment and enables you to be ushered and more aware of the presence of God. He started to sing, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul. Rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. And man, I forgot. I forgot that the, the, the bus broke down. I forgot that the rain had messed up our football game. I forgot that the lightning had knocked out our Uno game. And I started to worship God. And before I knew it, I was like, I had to get away from these girls. They're distracting me. And I walked towards the front of the stage to go down front to worship. And while I was walking, I woke up. And when I woke up, y'all, it was pitch black. So it had been a long time. And I was laying down the stairs like this. <laughs> and I couldn't move. Something was on me. And I was like, help. Somebody, anybody, help. Black man down. Black man down. Nobody would help me. So I pushed and I shoved and I noticed there were people on me. So I pushed the people off of me and as soon as I stand up, my ears opened. And I looked around. I'm trying to look and it's dark and, and I see people running and walking. I see people crying and on the floor. I see the girls, the cute girls, all the makeup. They're over here in the corner and they're screaming, Jesus, we're sorry. We'll do anything for you, Jesus. I'm like, what is going on? And I look over here and there are people that were laying on me that are still on the floor in weird positions. Like, eh. I'm like, dude, what happened to them? Are they dead? No. And I look up and I see my friend Nate. And I beeline for Nate because Nate was normal. Nate was the, the linebacker for the big football team in town. And I ran back there and Nate's pounding on the wall. God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. And I go, Nate. He's like, what, what, what? I go, what happened, man? What happened? What's going on? He goes, man, you fell. I was laughing at you, man. 
you fell and everything was, was kind of normal. And he goes, and then Mark, he went to go check on you. And when Mark touched you, Mark fell. And then Gina came to check on Mark. And when Gina touched Mark, Gina fell. Then Chris went to check on Gina. And when Chris touched Gina, Chris fell. He goes, then it was like all the air got sucked out of the room. And the glory of God descended in this place like I've never before experienced. He said, but you fell. I said, hold up. Why did you come help me? He's like, because God didn't talk to me the whole time. He told me I'm going to be a, a youth pastor. I said, what? I go, that's God. Because you a sinner. You're going straight to hell, bro. <laughs> Something happened to us that day. Something took place. There were about 150 students on that trip. There are 26 in full-time ministry all over the world right now. Something happened to us. Something shifted us. That mark is the lead pastor of Dothan Assembly of God in Dothan, Alabama. That girl, Gina, some of you know her sister, Tammy Trent, is a worship leader in Chicago, Illinois. That girl, Chris, she has a great gift. She and her husband became millionaires, and they give all this increase, all this money away to help missionaries around the world. That guy, Nate Roosh, pastors 6,000 people in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That guy, Tomas, is the FBI's number one sex trafficking attacker. He goes in and redeems sex traffic victims. The guy next to him singing is named Mark Kenny. He is one of the worship leaders at River Valley Worship Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Something happened to us, and we're not normal. We're not the same. We had an encounter. And tonight, it's your turn. Tonight, it will be your encounter. Tonight, it will be your supernatural move of the Spirit. It's your turn. It's your time. Get ready. This is your moment. I know I got to hurry up so that you can get what we came here for. Because it's not about me. It's about him. I don't want an encounter with a man. I want an encounter with the creator. But how do we have it? So cool. So cool. Just two things. That's it. Two things. And two people's stories. We just heard one from Isaiah. But check this out. The Bible says that Isaiah had an encounter at a strategic time. When was it? The Bible says the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord. King Uzziah represents a generation that has done everything right but one thing. Pride. See, Uzziah was a great king, amazing king, a mighty king. But as he grew older, he made a mistake. He had a little bit of arrogance. He had a little bit of pride in his mix. And he decided that he was the one who was going to lead the people, not the priests. And so he went and tried to offer a sacrifice as a priest when he was not. And God saw this as a, a direct rebellion against his law. And the Bible says when he stepped into and started to do this sacrifice, the priests were trying to stop him. God allowed leprosy to spring out over his forehead. Because that's exactly where the greatest disease of humanity exists. Pride. Pride is the most dangerous substance known to men. In fact, pride is so dangerous the Bible says that God opposes the proud. 
That translated means he vehemently wars against them. I don't want to go to war with God. And the only way you'll find yourself at odds with God is if pride is ruling and reigning on the throne of your heart. What kind of pride are you talking about? I'm talking about the kind of pride that would tell you that you've had enough. The kind of pride that would tell you've done enough. The kind of pride that would tell you that you don't have to do all that. So when we worship and you look at people and they're doing something you're not doing and you go, oh, they're just being dramatic. That kind of pride that stops you. People say to me all the time, oh, it's not my personality. That's weird because if I'm going to worship God, I don't care about my personality for a minute. I'm going to please him. He is the king. If I got to be the court jester, I'll be the court jester. I want to make Jesus smile. I don't give a rip what my body wants to do and what my mind wants to do. I'm going to do what the Spirit wants me to do. I'm going to make a fool out of myself. I'll be undignified to the max, baby. And I don't have a problem with that anyway because I'm a little bit crazy. Doctors say. Doctors don't say, but you know. But when pride, the representation of pride, died, Isaiah saw the Lord. And he didn't just see the Lord. I love this. Every time somebody has an encounter with Jesus or God, he nearly every time ends the encounter with a two-letter word, go. Always a go after an encounter. Every single time. Read the scripture. Check it out. It's crazy. Go, 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 go. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve, go. Be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth and take over it. What? Noah, go. Be fruitful and multiply. But this time he said, you can eat meat. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Fried chicken. Glory to God. He's always saying go. In fact, he's almost never saying stop. We'll talk about it more Tuesday night. And as I was reading this and thinking about this, I thought, you know, to go from sin to go. Pride has to be sacrificed right here. And then all of a sudden we're hearing God. All of a sudden we're experiencing God. And all of a sudden we're going for God. One more encounter and then we're going to get ready, okay? One more encounter. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5 that there was a woman. As Jesus was, was, was walking through the community, the scripture simply says this, that a large crowd followed and pressed him, verse 25 of Mark 5. And a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. <laughs> she had suffered a great deal in the care of many doctors but, and spent all she had, but instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she knew that Jesus was walking by, she came up behind him. Somebody say behind him. This is important. This is spiritual. Behind him, and she touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, a very loose translation, I will be healed. Immediately, I love that word, pericrema, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he wheeled around the crowd and goes, hey, who touched me? I love that. You see the people crowding against you, as disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing all that had been done, came to him, trembling with fear, fell at his feet. Mm. All the good women fell at Jesus' feet, and the bad women. The good brides and the bad brides. 
and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. What was she doing? Trembling with fear. What? He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Two-letter word. What did he say? <laughs> Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. i got to preach this really fast, okay? If it's okay with you, just give me literally five minutes. This is so crazy what just happens. I just finished writing a series of messages on the five senses, and I added a sixth, which is the Holy Spirit. And, and as I was writing this series, I wish I was preaching it this week, but I'm not quite done. I don't want to preach an unfinished message. And evangelists, we get to preach, you know, five or ten good messages a year. <laughs> so we get to plan. But man, I just finished one on touch, physical touch. You see, the Orthodox practicing Jews had a rule about men and women touching. It's called shomenagia. You cannot touch a woman who is not your wife or your family. You cannot touch them, especially during critical times of the month, and you know what those are. They were not to touch, okay? If you meet an Orthodox practicing Hasidic even Jew, the man will never touch your wife shaking hands. It won't happen. The woman will not touch your husband shaking hands. It won't happen, okay? This was very strict, a big deal. This woman was ceremonially and socially unclean, and her bleeding caused her to be a definite no-no in Shomer Nagia. She could not be touched nor touch not only men, but anyone. Lest she be excommunicated, kicked out of the community, and she had to be excommunicated from her family if she broke the, 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 the laws. This is serious. So think about this. She goes, I know I'll be healed. I have faith to believe if I just reach out and touch him. That's a crazy thought. Because, girl, if you don't get healed, you might get stoned. I'm not talking about with, a, with, with, with Jim Beam. I'm talking about with a rock. They take you to a cliff, put you at the bottom, and drop rocks on you till you're dead. That's not cool. So this thought she had was crazy. Can I tell you something? If you and I are going to have an encounter with Jesus, we have to be willing to do the crazy things. We have to be willing to do the things that other people will tell us. It don't take all that, homie. It don't take all that. Why are you in church so much? Why are you acting like this? It's weird. No, baby, I'm crazy about the king. I'll do anything for him. I'm not ashamed of him. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get closer and closer in my relationship. And she was willing to break culture to touch creator. <laughs> Now, I will preach for you in the future about touch and how the church has lost their touch. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the church in general. For some reason, we stopped touching people. The Jews did this too. They wouldn't touch people. So Jesus said, when you pray, you put your hands on them. The disciples said, when you pray, you put your hand on them and you pray. Matthew 18, verse 18 and 19. When you put your hands on them and touch and agree and believe, you shall have, you shall receive what you pray for. They wanted us to break out of this thing of, ew, I'm not, you're dirty. No. We're family. And that's why we can touch. So check this out. She reaches out and touches Jesus. And immediately Jesus goes, hey! Whole crowd's like, oh, who touched me? Now you know why she was scared. Yeah. 
Before, it didn't make sense. What? You just got healed. Why are you scared? It's Jesus. Why are you scared of Jesus? She wasn't scared of Jesus. She was scared of everybody else who wasn't down with touching. Everyone else who was following a cultural law that told them not to touch or be touched. And she falls at Jesus' feet, surrendering herself, knowing that she could die right now. And she goes, I can't. I can't just be honest. I have to tell the truth. I'm going to tell you, Jesus, you healed me. I reached out and touched the hem of your garment, and you healed me. And I love what Jesus does right there. I'm giving you this whole message in advance. I'm sorry. The research just blew my mind. I was weeping in my study. Because when Jesus spoke to her, the first words he said to her redeemed her in one word. He said, daughter. He said, daughter. And everybody in the crowd went, oh, it's okay. It's okay. That's his family. He gave her a term of endearment that related her to him as family. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. You've made you well. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. He made a way where there was no way for her to live through this. He made a way for her not only to get her miracle, but to live in peace. But how did she get it? She reached out. Come on, piano lady. I gave up on Peebo Bryson. He's a great translator. He's never at the piano when I need him. Just kidding. She's so little. Hey, Peebo. Peebo is in la casa. Gloria de Dios. Maestro. <laughs> she got her miracle because she was willing to reach out and touch Jesus. What did she touch? Come on up, man. Come play. Give this woman a break. She's been leading us all week, all day. Rocked it this morning. Y'all did such a good job. Thank you. Such a good job. Amazing. Your pastor, I'm just going to say it right now, he knows how to pick good people. He has, and our first lady, they have vision, man. You get ready for the vision God's bringing to your church because we're not going to stay where we are. We're following them into this amazing future that God has for us. Get on board now because, baby, this train's leaving the station. It's incredible what God's doing here at Central. Oh, man, if I told you what I saw when I got in your parking lot, I couldn't get out of my car right away. Because he told me he's giving you this community. You're going to be buying up houses. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. But she was willing to reach out and touch. Did she touch Jesus' body? No. That was illegal. In fact, if you really study this, she touched the only thing she could legally touch. So she actually never broke the law. But it could be perceived that she did because the people didn't know what she touched. As you read the translation, it says clothing. NIV doesn't get it, and it's, of course they don't get it. It's hard to translate uh, historic Hebrew clothing to Romans, to Americans in 2019. That's difficult, okay? She touched the seat zit of his talil. She touched 
the tassel of his prayer shawl which was considered a ceremonial garment that was not considered his actual raiment. It was considered a spiritual gifting. A man would wear a prayer shawl that represented intercession. It represented his holiness and the word of God in this prayer garment. And it would usually only come to about here because they were in the occupation of Rome. But Jesus didn't care about war because he's the prince of peace. His garment went all the way to the ground. And she crawled on on the ground in the dirt in the donkey dung in the garment the, the, the nastiness of the mud made with urine from animals she crawled on the ground and reached up and touched that tassel and instantly Malachi chapter 4 the revelation of scripture was realized the Bible says this, Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. It says, surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left for them. But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Let me translate that from King James. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. The prayer shawl that Jesus wore has fringes on it. And the Roman people used to make fun of the Jews when they wore it. And they'd say, look at those Jews with their wings on. And the son of righteousness shall ascend with healing in his wings. She reached up and touched the wings and she was healed tonight I'm believing this I'm believing that in four and a half minutes you're going to reach out and you're going to touch the hem of God's garment I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you thank you for listening in if you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the lehigh valley but around the world we want to do our part in reaching the people that god has entrusted to us with the gospel of jesus christ you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry god bless you have an amazing day remember you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.